0: Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're just
1: hanging out.
0: This phone was seconds away from
2: getting shoved up someone's ass.
3: I don't know what. (laughs) happened last night. It's not working. So if it cuts out, let's do this. Yeah, That body's a blessing, girl. I ain't trying to pressure her. She messed with the
4: temperature. I wrote the song. But I am the messenger. And welcome back to All You Radio, I'm Johnny McKeon, with me in studio, Sasha Bloom, Brittany Johnson, how you doing Brittany? I'm
3: great, how are you?
4: I don't know, I'm feeling the song, I'm not gonna lie. I
3: see you shaking your hips over
4: there. (laughs) I can't sit still. (laughs) Sasha, what's the name, who is this?
1: Fan. Fan? Fan. Fan. Flan. Flan. How do you spell it? Pham. Damn. Wait, I want to take you to a pho shop.
3: Or a pho shop. F- pho. pho
1: and just that? have you order off the menu. Is that
4: the boiled meat?
3: <laughs> no. What, what is that the Vietnamese restaurant? It's soup. Yeah, it's soup. It's like the greatest soup ever. Meat.
4: I thought I thought it was the whole point of eating it was to eat
1: the steak that's out of it. that's The Mongolian but grill he, I think you're thinking of. What? You can cook the meat in your soup too. Yeah. yeah. What is it pho? What
4: is it then? Pho. I thought pho. it was noodles.
1: Is it noodles?
4: Yeah. 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 I've heard it. I know people talk about it and I nod and like, yeah, yeah, far, you know? Like, I, this,
2: but I don't, I don't no, really know what it is. It's like one of my of. favorite
3: soups. They have like a, like you said, you can choose your different meat that you have in there. Um, the meat can cook while it's in the broth. What, what kind um, of, is it, what, what? They have different herbs and all it,
4: that kind of it, stuff it, in there. Is it, Ori- is it like Mongolian or Chinese? She's about what is to it? say Oriental. <laughs> I, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Vietnamese, Vietnamese. Okay, yeah. yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know anything about it. People yeah. talk about. All t- Do you know how long it took me? I'm still like kind of learning sushi. Like I'm that far behind. Like I don't even. I haven't graduated to farm. Farm. Wait. Farm. You mean farm? Farm. Yeah. I was thinking about the artist. The song's in my head. I'm sorry. Sam, pho.
1: Holy food.
4: <laughs> oh, Johnny, we got to take you out. Okay, I got to go out. I, I, never eat, I never eat exotic stuff. I just go out. I just have a hamburger. It's not exotic. It sounds like... It's like, human
1: food, yes. bro. So it's just meat soup.
4: <laughs> no. it's with some it's herbs okay. and... Soup.
1: There's bean sprouts. Yeah. There's noodles. There's... uh
3: you can put cilantro, parsley. Please, is this is the you thing can... where they got the green ha- jalapeno on it
4: and they chop it up in front of you. I
3: just told you. That's Mongolian. That's
4: Mongolian. Okay. You ain't listening. No, I, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to visualize what the restaurant looks like. Let me pull up a picture. It's delicious, but, man. It's deli- I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: How do you not know? I, I've never had it. I don't know. I Maybe don't know. one on. of the best Look. fall places in Utah is a mile away sure. from iHeartRadio. Really? Yeah. yeah. Where? On State Street. You're going give like, them a shout
3: out? Let me give you the Wikipedia definition.
1: <laughs> okay. Pho yeah.
3: is a Vietnamese noodle soup consisting of broth, linguine-shaped rice noodles called bonfo, pho, a few herbs, and meat primarily served with either beef or chicken.
4: Is it expensive? Was it, like $12? bucks? 6 nah. Sounds like 12 Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What's it? What's an expensive date for you? What's an expensive date yeah. for me? Um, like, okay, okay. Jr. So, so, let's define expensive first, because I have tears. I have okay, because you but just said like, twelve dollars was like, expensive. Because like I don't present Sarah with dating options. It's more like a package. Like we could hit the dollar menu, go to the dollar movies, and then <laughs> <A> right, package. <laughs> and then,
2: or, Girl, <laughs> you
3: got package.
4: If it ain't in this package, we ain't doing it. Yeah, like it's like a brochure. Like I just like I picture that one, and then you know, or like we do something a little more formal where we'll go eat at like uh, the Copper Onion, or maybe we'll go to like the seven dollar burgers, like Proper Burger or Five Guys. (laughs) But wait, are there substitutions?
3: Uh, Can so, you put like the expensive package with the low budget
4: uh, package? I've, ne- I've yet to go to Copper Common and then go to a dollar movie. Maybe that might be in the cards, but. She
1: <laughs> motherfucker you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh my God. Hey, what's an expensive date then? What's, what's an expensive date for you? I don't know. Eighty bucks. Eighty bucks. They're not even is that for that's, both people. That's the standard. Take her to a
1: great dinner. Yeah. That's Let's for both people, or just for her? Like, just is for that, me? Because you know, I'm
4: hungry. Eighty. <laughs> but what you get? Lobster?
3: Maybe it depends. If, if you if piss me off before to. we go to the date, <laughs> I'm really, getting do to have. Yes. You go on
4: food dates? Sarah used to go on a lot of yeah. food dates.
3: You know what? It's great being a girl because you just like talk to different guys and they're like, "What do you want to do? Oh, uh, you want to go out to dinner? Sure. I'm eating for free again tonight. Oh, do you get to choose a restaurant? Uh,
1: it depends. I'll I, be like, Where do you want to go? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't asked no, a girl out on
2: Bruce a date in 10
4: years. Like, I have no clue. I'm completely removed from this. It's been 10 years since I've asked a girl out on a date.
1: Like, but I mean,
2: do
4: they lead did... with the restaurant? Do they go, like, Yeah, do you want to go get some Happy Sumo or some FUM? Some or f- like, no, FUM! Uh,
3: FUM! F- 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 <laughs> to- if somebody
4: asks me, Do I want to get some FUM?
3: You're deleted, <laughs> from, my, you're deleted from my contacts. <laughs> no, you know, a lot of guys, the dating game has is just ruined. Really? And I, I honestly blame women for that. Really? I do, because a lot of guys, they'll say, hey, you want me to just come over tonight? No, I don't or, know you. I just met you in the mall and gave you my number. I don't just want, want to come, you to come over. over. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah. You want
4: to, what do you want to do? Watch a movie? Uh, no. Netflix and can chill. Can we go
3: to the movie? Yeah. Is that real? Like do people
4: really say Netflix and chill?
3: No, people do. But they don't, a lot of times guys don't say Netflix and chill. They'll just say, hey, can I come watch a movie?
4: No. Oh, word. No.
3: You can be a killer. Why? I don't want you in my spot.
4: Why has it boiled down to that? What happened to taking people out? Like what?
3: I think it's just honestly, like I said, you blame the women because women make it OK for some guy to just come over and watch a movie on the first date or just come over and you cook for them and they just come over and eat yeah. or you come over and they just want to have sex. Yeah. That's the woman's fault. Hmm.
1: Now that, not- that we're doing sex talk with Brittany Bangeter.
3: Yes. Brittany Bang- uh- I love Brittany Bangeter, by the way.
1: You should
4: totally make that like a, yes. a, an alter ego. Should I
3: change my Twitter handle yes. to Brittany Banger.
1: <laughs> yeah. you, should,
4: you should incorporate
1: it. Uh, you should change you. your name on ABC to that. Yeah,
4: yeah, just all of it. Just go you can change it yourself. I, should, you can I, it. Should. I, should. I don't know who changed that. They hacked me. <laughs> I got hacked. But now I'm just going by it. It kind of works. <laughs> got more followers. Ooh, good
1: point. Is yeah. it true or is it not true that before a woman's ready to have a long term boyfriend or start settling down for marriage, that they'll collect potential husbands or boyfriends. Like you'll just kind of start dating two, three, four guys. You might not be having sex with them, but you'll be going to dinners and doing the interviews and the whole courting thing. Is that true?
3: I think, well, for me, I just know right off the bat, and I think a lot of women may be like this too. When you meet someone, you go out on a date, you automatically know. Hey, can I spend the rest of my life with this guy, or is this guy just terrible? Yeah. I think you have some sort of inclination when you first meet someone, when you first go out, whether this can be serious or whether this is just a joke or whether you just want to play around or whatever.
4: That, wait, are you? Is that something that you're just looking for? Like, is that no. the criteria you're weighing the situation against? No. Are you sure? Like, no, I'm positive. Like, do you see dating as like?
3: <laughs> <laughs> You no. no, no, no. <laughs> no, because here we'll finish your. Well, not
4: like. Do you think that like because I mean now dating is like a means to an end almost isn't it like it's it's a means to a transition to a new point in your life like it's not just meeting a person or is it like that for you is it where you just happen to meet a guy and you guys click or are you seeking a partner You see what I'm saying?
3: I think in the back of my head, I'm always. I don't want to say seeking a partner because it's just like I don't want to go out and do interviews. Like, mm, what, what do you do for work? What do you do? Blah, 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 blah. Can you give me this, this, this? Yeah. Check this off. I don't want to have that mentality. But I think in the back of your head, you're always like, hey, I can see myself with this person long term. Or it's just this is just going to be my Friday night yeah. person that I call or a Saturday. You know, yeah. you kind of just get the, the feeling right off the bat.
1: Question 2 is Sex Talk with Britney Vangader. <laughs> How do we get here? Yeah, I do he started with so fun. <laughs> he's
4: the one making it a weird so specific. Is about this my it. new show, like, Sex <laughs> Talk is, with Britney Vangader. Sex Talk,
3: Sex Talk, back to Sex Talk. <laughs> I finally got my own segment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why do women give men ultimatums? Let's say they're dating for a year and a half, 2 years and she says, we either get married or I'm leaving.
3: I don't agree with that at all. It's oh, okay.
1: bullshit, right?
3: It is because you can't it's make someone love. do yeah. what they don't want to do.
4: Um, I know a lot of people who got married for that yeah, reason. Yeah. And I don't know. It, their relationship seems to work. I don't really know. It's not going to last. And, yeah, maybe. And
3: even if it does, someone is always unhappy. Um, someone that I, that I know, that I've known since high school, mm-hmm. just got married um, maybe about three months ago. And the woman pretty much said, hey, we're either getting married or this is done. We have a kid now. We're living together. So what are you going to do? Basically marry me or we're we're over. And then that person married the woman just because he was just like, hey, you know, I really don't want to get married, but I really don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Grow some balls and say, mm-hmm. "This is what it's going to be. I'm not doing that, or I'm not ready."
1: It's like leasing a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I left a woman, and we were kind of talking about getting married and stuff. And then, like three months later, she's like, "We're either getting married or I'm leaving." I was like, "Well, I'll see ya." Bye. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bye, Felicia. I don't
3: agree yeah. <laughs> with the with the whole ultimatum. It, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if you are on some sort of timetable. Then okay, that that's your thing. Bring that up to that person, and if they're not on the same page as you, then you need to figure out: do you want to leave, or are you willing to wait it out?
4: Is that like? Do you think that stems from like a fear of getting older?
1: I think it's a power
4: being control
1: issue. That was my thing because I thought about it for several days after I said no. That's not going to work for me because you know there's always a couple of days to renegotiate. You know. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, <Jew> talk <laughs> That'll be segment B. Ju-Talk. <laughs> I love Sasha. You're so funny.
3: How, so wait, how many days do you have to renegotiate? Yeah, yeah.
1: Especially a marriage offer. Yeah. How right? long is this window? I figure you got a good seventy-two hours. Well,
4: what are you re- renegotiating for? Like, can we revisit yeah. this in a year? Are you going to put a timetable on it? Because that's really what she's asking,
1: right? As like, in, I'll open my door back up. You come. Walk back through it and this conversation never happened. I will marry you. Like that's that kind of renegotiation, Mm. right? Because it was like, all right, here's the door, see you later. She's out the door. Then I figure, after 70, within 72 hours, you can erase that whole thing and rewind it.
3: So, Mm. who came up with the 72 hours? Is that a Sasha? That's a Sasha. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Does that work for you? That's your model? Like, because I don't, I don't know. I never go to bed angry. I never. I like, think you lose Sarah. the
1: emotion of an argument or of a a fight that involves love or passion after 72 hours. At least most I've, I I cool do. down you, yeah. you think you you cool down. You become down. more rational, yeah.
4: I don't know. I guess I don't have like I don't have fights like that.
1: So I don't know. I don't I don't yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I never yeah. took it as a fight, but in my head during that whole 72-hour period of me <laughs> Deep thoughts with Bloom, you know? <laughs> That's another segment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the G Gap. Uh, it just seemed to me, I was like, this is all about control. She, if I give her this five years down the line, I'm going to be doing every single thing she says, and I'm not going to have my own life, and I'm not going to be able to explore and create and. Extra babies.
3: But I do Ugh. think age has to come with that, too.
1: She was like 40.
3: Yeah, but what so is she? ready to like. Yeah, yeah, dude, she's not getting any younger.
4: So wait, so you do you still Tinder now? Like, is that still a thing? Like, do you do you, like turn it on Tinder. just for the weekends yeah. or like, yeah. do, do you really?
3: Yeah, I have it. Like,
4: does it work? Is it just something you check? And you're like, mm, no, I just like-, like
3: go on and I've swiped left so many times that it's told me like, checking for more people in your area. For real?
1: <laughs> left is bad, right?
3: Yeah, left is bad.
1: Judgmental
4: person yeah. So can you like filter it? Like can you get like oh yeah. show me only white people, show me only No, look, you can't can
3: you- do um ethnicity or race, but you can do you can do like show me men, women, search distance. Oh, let me expand that.
4: Wait, the distance is that's how many miles?
3: Yeah. So if I wanna see people hundred miles from here, one mile.
4: So wait, wait. How does it work? So the, does, the hey, does the guy hit you up? Does the guy hit you up?
3: Twenty-five to fifty-five.
4: <laughs> what what works? Like what? Do you what mean? Like if a guy She's hits you up, like oh wait, are we? And Magna. Is this being recorded? We're like, talking what? about yeah. this. <laughs> Is this what, like, like how does it work? I don't know. Like like if how does a guy successfully get a date with Britney through Tinder? Like what does he have to say? Is he just go yo you eating? Like like what? like <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hey yo ma, what's
4: <laughs> up? Let me feed you.
3: <laughs> nah, okay, so like uh. Let's yeah, go can, you read me one? can you
4: read me one?
3: They're pretty boring. This guy, I don't care, you can see. Hey, I'm no Tinder expert or anything, but I'm pretty sure us being matched means we're together now, right?
2: What'd you oh, say? And then I said,
3: him? ha ha, I'm no expert either, but I feel like you've used that one before. <laughs> <laughs> me? Never. Do you live in SLC? Me. Yeah, you? Him. This is so
2: boring. <laughs> So, you're not a yet. That's Job
3: it. is transferring me out there. And needless to say, I'm terrified. So, we got into the whole. Uh, so, he's trying
1: to open up and you're just one wording him. Yeah. You jerk. <laughs> you're a
2: gangster. That's cold blooded. Nah. nah there's another writing, one. There's like got-
4: big ass walls of text. He's writing novels. You're just hitting him back with nope. Yep. Nah. Maybe See, that is
1: the problem Perhaps. with this culture. Women no. are fucking cold hearted. Nah. And you know what? I think women need to be cold hearted. Like man. I think women need to be cold hearted. No, like this is boring.
3: Word. Someone, hello, dot, dot, dot. Hi! For real? Yeah. Did that work? You get a date with him? Uh, I responded like a dumbass. I must have been.
4: <laughs> I must have been bored. Was his picture cute? <laughs> you know
3: what? And what happened was, I went out with the guy, and I was like, "You are not what your picture looks like." you,
4: you called him out on it?
3: No, I just was thinking that in my head. Where did he take you? We. Where did we meet up? We met up at Gracie's. Oh, word! Try to get me drunk.
4: Try to slide in. Did, did he like? Did he like bait you with food? Like, Let's just grab a burger. And nah, I was like, I ain't
3: hungry. Oh, I word. just
4: because, like,
1: <laughs> no, I ain't hungry. I ain't <laughs> hungry.
3: You, I ain't hungry. I ain't thirsty. You walk up and you see, and you immediately you're kind of like, nah, so let me I'm ask good. you this question so back you, to you...
1: Sex Talk with Brittany Banger here. <laughs> in in college, I lived in the dorms for a little bit, and I won't say I was a pretty popular guy with the ladies, but I was pretty popular with the ladies, and I had a rule. When they'd come into my dorm room where they couldn't wear pants on my bed because I only had a desk chair Are you and I had what? a bed.
4: Do you believe? It? I don't even and I want to believe it, but I don't. But I do. Oh, but I believe I don't. it. I believe I don't it. I With him, I'm so torn. No, no, no. I believe it.
1: <laughs> and the reason why I did it because I didn't want to get germs from the outside world onto my bed.
3: But you want to get germs from their vagina on your yes. bed.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Is that tacky? Is that rude? Like, would you be I didn't ever do that.
3: It's college. Yeah. You know, so we've different. all it's done dorms. stuff in college, in the dorms. The yeah. dorms are dirty anyway, Sasha. <laughs> so that <laughs> doesn't <really> matter, <laughs> matter, yeah. But we've all done things, trying. and that's not the craziest thing.
4: Maybe it's just not my game style. Like, I was always kind of smooth with it. Like, I was a very smooth, comfortable Johnny. person. Like, yeah, you're supposed to be comfortable. Like, I wouldn't have like, rules, like, take the pants off. But, like I, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have pants mandates, but, like, uh, maybe a shoes off policy. Like, I probably
1: like, I had
4: that. <laughs> that's not with the I
3: shoes off. There. <laughs> but the thing is, that proves my point. You did it because it worked. Yeah. And girls would do it.
1: It was a good icebreaker. It was fun.
3: (laughs) But did you take your pants off? Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But see, guys, there I've heard of other things. Like guys, um, before you will walk into their dorm, if you wanted to come in, you would have to take like four or five shots.
1: Uh, That's a good one too. Yeah, that's gangster. So you know, know I'd get behind that. (laughs) What <laughs> what
4: would you do, Johnny? I I maybe offer her like a a, a, a fine glass uh, a no, bo- no, no. a, a glass a back of up. box what? wine. Back up. If Sarah was walking into your dorm room. Yeah. Uh if Sarah specifically was walking into my dorm room, I'd I'd have uh let's see, uh chicken fingers, french fries, <laughs> some uh uh some chocolate um it have to be nice chocolate though not like hershey's like like godiva like a level like a like you gotta break a five to purchase There's this chocolate this. like it's not <laughs> it's not like a kid can- i can't just hand her a snickers and like hey hop on the bunk bed like it that doesn't work for me <laughs> <laughs> snickers?
3: yo that's my favorite <laughs> i'd be like frozen he cares oh i love frozen yeah, you gotta go Frozen. Oh, oh yeah you hand me a frozen snickers i'm like he loves me <laughs>
4: He knows me. (laughs) He knows me so well. So, if I could, like, a guy could tend to you just like frozen Snickers. and Like, like, "Hmm." heck yeah. Swipe right. (laughs) Yep. Swipe right. He's swiping right on Frozen (laughs) Snickers. (laughs) That's all it is. What more do you need? I see.
3: I'm not complicated. (laughs) No, you know. No, I'm not. It's the little things that matter to me. Sasha or Johnny, back in college, did you guys or would you have a
1: kissing booth? Would
4: I, if I, if I'd I was a single,
1: glory hole, if they would have let me
4: <laughs> at that university, um, <laughs> I, if I were single in college, I would have done a kissing booth in a heartbeat. That totally would have been my speed. Like I would have, would have had the cutout, would have stood in front you of it. You seem more like a Bob the apple type of guy than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That's, that's fair enough. You know, it's funny. Um, Stand up for pits. They're doing a kissing booth. Uh, the event, Rebecca Corey, she's just about to call in and talk to us about that. So, uh, you know, let's go to that. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I've never tossed. What are we supposed to do? I, I haven't tossed a break in a while, syrup
1: or up? jelly,
3: <laughs> dude. So, actually, if she's gonna have a kissing booth, you'll get your chance this Sunday, right?
4: Yeah, this Sunday.
3: But you can't be kissing anybody. You have a girlfriend.
1: No, I'll be kissing dogs. You and time. I can <laughs> kiss people though. We can or I can watch you. No one's gonna kiss me, but we can watch you get kissed.
3: So we gotta for charity.
2: kiss
4: us for charity. Like <laughs> <laughs> we gotta ask Rebecca how we can get signed up for this. So yeah, we better get her on the phone. So we're gonna go to break right now. But when we come back, we're gonna have Rebecca Corey. On the phone. She's a comedian. She's going to be performing at Club 50 West September 17th and 18th and 16th. I'll be opening for her. uh, 17th, 18th, and 16th? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. The Johnny 16th, promo, everybody. Seventeenth and eighteenth. Um, she, it's it's gonna be great. So yeah, like uh, she's she's blowing me up. So Let's give her a call.
1: She's doing comedy on the sixteenth and seventeenth.
4: Yes, and on the eighteenth, she's also doing a comedy show, but it's also a bigger event than that. They have a kissing booth. Yes, like, I didn't make that up. Yes, we're gonna talk about that as soon as we get her on the phone.
1: Hi, this is Randall Carlisle from ABC4 Utah. Old Ute Radio will be right back after this.
4: And And welcome back to OU Radio. We've got Rebecca Corey on the phone. Rebecca, how's it going?
0: I'm great. How are you guys?
4: Fantastic. Now that we get to hear from you. So, Rebecca, we're really excited because you're coming into town September 16th and the 17th at Club 50 West. You're also going to be there on the 18th for Stand Up for Pits. And uh, I'm really excited that I get to work with
0: you. I'm I'm so so excited to be bringing uh, Stand Up for Pits back, and um, I'm really looking forward to working with you too and meeting you. You've been awesome, and I so appreciate you doing the event.
4: Yeah, it's exciting. So you're you're both the president and the founder of Stand Up for Pits. That's correct, right?
0: I am. Yeah.
4: So what can you tell me about it?
0: Stand Up for Pits has been. It was inspired um, by my dog Angel, who um was a rescue dog who was found in South L.A. Someone had cut off her ears with scissors or razor blades of some kind. I don't know, like a home crop job. And she'd, has, she'd been uh, chemical burned down her back and clearly abused. And she made her way into the shelter, and I ended up uh, adopting her. And uh, after adopting a pit bull-type dog, I learned about the ignorance that surrounds them and the discrimination that they have to that they endure and just how after three decades of people being uneducated and the media and everything never telling the whole story and crazy, I uh, was inspired by her um, and her inherent goodness and kindness and, uh, and I started a foundation and started raising awareness and educating myself and now it's been... Uh, just over six years, and we've marched out in Washington, and um, we're now a nonprofit, an IRS recognized nonprofit, and we're dedicated to ending the abuse, discrimination, and uh, saving the lives of pit bull type dogs.
4: What exactly are some of the misconceptions about about pit bulls?
0: Well, there's the really, really dumb ones, like you know their jaws lock. I mean, I think more and more people know how stupid that is. It's not even possible. It's scientifically not possible. It doesn't happen. It's not true. They are incredibly strong, but their jaws don't lock. Um, that they'll turn on you, that's not true. That they're dangerous, that's not true. That they're born to kill, not true. Um, you know, factually, the only the only real fact is is that um, the most dangerous beings on Earth are humans, and sadly, um, you know, the... This type of dog, for over three decades, has been the one vilified and blamed for "quote unquote" incidences that happen. But you know, the sad part is, is that a lot of the times when an incident, which is they, very few, have happened, and you know these are the most abused and neglected, tortured and killed dogs on the planet. And you know, you know, over 12 years, you have uh, 150 incidences. It, it's it's surprised there's not more with what these dogs endure, and the sad part is is the whole story is never told, you know, when an incident occurs and and every single time it's human it's human error, it's ignorant ownership, it's they're abusing the dogs, they're leaving them alone with, you know, kids that are pulling on them, hitting them, whatever whatever the situation is. There is more to the story than just the incident that occurred and and those are some huge misconceptions and that is that is starting to get better. You know, that people are starting to realize that oh, humans are, are the problem, not not the dogs. These are just dogs. They're no different than any other dog. They're all born good, and uh, humans have a way of <laughs> ruining things. I don't know if you know that.
4: Yeah, there's that expression, right? Uh, blame the, the deed, not the breed, I think.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, the humans need to take some responsibility for what they do, you know, and, you know, tying a dog to a chain its whole life and you know feeding it when you feel comfortable feeding it and and you know abuse and neglect and then it gets off a chain and reacts well it's not good it's sad it's horrible but who's who's really to blame you know it's it's a it's a it's a big it's it's more than just an ethical treatment of animal issue in my mind um i i believe it's a social issue i think that anyone any person that, that can abuse or neglect or kill or harm a, an animal or a child is, is is a sociopath, and they should be removed from society. It's scary. And uh, and sadly, pit bull-type dogs, dogs that are categorized as pit bulls, um, you know, those are the targets. They still are. You know, back in the 80s, it was like Dobermans and German Shepherds and Rottweilers were the big, dangerous, you know, scary dogs that went around killing humans on Earth. <laughs> but uh, that changed over to pit bulls once society decided that they were the new violent ones and it's getting better, but yeah, it's we got a lot of work to do. It's sad.
1: Utah has a major problem with pit bull discrimination in Sandy city, which is about 20 minutes South of where you'll be spending your weekend. Pit bulls have to have a muzzle around them. If they're in public off of the yard Uh, in this town, you don't see government pinchers anymore. Like when I was a little kid, I saw them everywhere.
0: <laughs> Me too. Is yeah, it, yeah,
1: in 2016, is it lawmakers to blame, or is it more of our hip hop culture and you know the Michael Vicks of the world that have, and the media who have created this violent imagery of a pit bull?
0: All of them. Every single thing that you just said. That's who. That's who's to blame. That's why it's, it's such a difficult cause because you're, you know, we're we're trying to change. We're trying to educate and advocate and tell the truth about. About these dogs, and and in doing so, we're trying to hold humans accountable. And humanity doesn't like being accountable; they're more comfortable with just hate, you know, and ignorance. And and you know, lawmakers, um, they're part of the big, they're a big part of the problem because a lot of them are uneducated, and they feel like they don't want to. What do they want to do? Spend spend taxpayers' dollars um, creating programs to help educate and save animals and rehabilitate them. I and they're so they're. They, they feel that it's easier to just um, support and um, create breed bans and, and create stupid um, discriminatory laws. But really, that too has been shown. Um, they banned breed discrimination, BSL, in 20 states in America now. Um, but there's a long way to go, like I said. But they're learning that the, it costs taxpayers millions of dollars to enforce these laws that are ineffective. Because you're trying to blame victims, and you can't. The real problem are backyard breeders and dog fighters, animal abusers, the perpetuation of the you know society um, and media, and you know all of those things that you said. It's like there's so many problems that need to be handled, but to to fix them all, it's going to take money and time, and you know accountability. And our our lawmakers don't want to do that. They would just rather say, you know what, let's just ban them or kill them all. That'll fix it.
1: One one of the things I do wonder about some animal laws is in the mammalian world. One of the worst things you can do is have a group of young adolescent males together. And I notice in the in with dogs or humans, having a bunch of pit bulls can be a problem because they feed off of their energy. And you know when you do hear these horrific cases in a small town where a kid gets mauled to death it's almost never by one let's say pit bull it's by three or four do you think that an owner should be restricted to say two pit bulls or should we get rid of the, Is that a false idea too yeah
0: and i'm not necessarily sure or how factual that is what you
1: say i'm that. a dumb guy so it's probably wrong <laughs> it's probably wrong
0: No, i, I think i think in some cases, yes, but I would I would be careful to say it's usually more than one because I I'm not sure that that's accurate. But what I will say is dogs, not just pit bulls. Dogs are pack animals. That's factual. That um, it that that always dogs feed off of energy. And I say dogs because I don't think that it's just pit bulls. Brains are no different than any other dog. You know, they're no different than a wiener dog. They're no different than they're just strong. And they're bigger, but and they can do more damage if something happens. And sadly, they're the most targeted and most abused. So unfortunately, their behavior can can be. And, and it's also the ones that are talked about. You know, those, wait. I just want to say this, this is a side note thing. But there was a there was a story in Florida about a um, black lab that bit a boy. He was like bit like a five year old boy and caused a lot of damage. The boy had to go to the hospital. And that same week, a dog that was categorized as a pit bull-type dog, you know, square head, boxy. You know, there's only, one, there's only one kind of pit bull. It's an American Pit Bull Terrier. But dog pit bull is really just a term used to describe a type of dog based on how it looks. So, in other words, we're, we're, people sometimes people call, you know, mastiffs and boxers. And any dog that has a boxy head or short hair, a pit bull, they're categorized as a pit bull-type dog. So that same week, a pit bull-type dog bit another kid. And they they did a thing. They, they they looked at how many views each story got, and the the story in the media where the black lab bit the boy it got clicked on. Something like it got viewed like five thousand times. That story,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the same the same week, there's a story of a pit bull type dog that bit a boy, and that that story got clicked on like 175 thousand times. Wow. And it was a really interesting, I mean, to go back to your your question, should there be, you know, a limit to how many people can have pit bulls? I think there should be a limit to how many people can can have dogs. I think there should be a limit to how many people should have kids. I think that we as a society should have to, like, have some accountability. There's people that shouldn't be having kids. There's people that shouldn't be having dogs. So people, true. There should be a screening process at, at shelters that if you come in, you shouldn't just be able to pay 20 bucks and walk out with a life. You, you know, but there is none because, again, you know, how, you know how expensive that would be to implement that, where every person had to go through a screening process to take a dog out of a shelter? That would, that's the, that very unlikely. So I guess to answer your question, I, I yeah, I, I think there should be a limit. I think there should be a limit to... To everything, and I think people should be you know screened before they before they become <laughs> in charge of of a life
3: now before you adopted angel, were you aware of the abuse and discrimination that they face or endure?
0: not at all, but in any way shape or form none. I was completely blind to it, and before angel, I had a German shepherd was my first dog, and I knew that you know they would you know, I knew some people would be like, I'm so scared of your dog. And I would just, like, laugh because she was really sweet. But I didn't really – wasn't educated on it. Didn't know about it. And then I had my second dog was uh, a Dogo Argentino, which is a, a big 110-pound mastiff. And there were there were people that were afraid of him, but he kind of looked like a cartoon character. You know, big, fat face and fat head. And
2: mouse, <laughs> no one really,
0: and he was all white. And no one really took him real serious because he looked so weird. He, just, he looked like, just like a cartoon. And then um, I got Angel and she had no ears and scars and was, you know, the typical stereotype of, and when I first got her and I'd be walking down the street, I'd see people crossing the street and picking up their kids, (laughs) picking up their dogs, like running for the hill. I was like, what is happening? I I was like, I mean, I I know I'm scary looking, but (laughs) 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 there has to be something more going on here. And then... You know, then people started getting really, really vocal, and even some of my friends who I love would be like, hey, yeah, I'll come over, but I'm going to leave my kid at home because, you know, the dog, I'd I'd go, what? Wait, what? And And then I just started learning, like, oh, okay, these dogs are, I started becoming more and more aware, and the more conscious you are and the more aware you are of it, you hear it and see it everywhere. Like, you just, like, it's crazy. Like, you look on ads and magazines and you know, if they want it to look scary, they'll put two pitfalls in it. Or, you know, you hear people, you know, explaining things on TV or in movies or whatever. And they're like, "Yeah, he's acting like a pitfall. I let him go like a pit. Bull. Like everything. It's so much in our consciousness, like and in our language." And I was like, "Going, what? You're like, it just was crazy." And then, um, and then I just started like, you know, really paying attention to the news and seeing. How many? Not only, you know, how many times they would vilify them without telling the whole story, but how uneducated they were about how ineffective breed-specific legislation is, and how, you know, Barack Obama even came out two years ago saying that it's ineffective, it's discrimination, and trying to law it goes, against, you know, they don't let our military, our active-duty military, keep their pitfalls. they have to relinquish them, and how unfair it is, and un-American it is, and it's just discrimination. It's like I just started going, what? Like you just said, you know, BSL is in Salt Lake. That means you have to put a muzzle on a dog, which further perpetuates the negative image of the dog when they're not, why aren't they not being treated like individuals? Why does that dog need a muzzle? I mean, Angel wasn't capable of biting anyone ever and never did. She passed away in April, but for eight years she flew on airplanes and traveled all over the country and met thousands and thousands and thousands of people, all ages, all kinds, all types of people, and never once ever showed aggression and in my opinion she had every right to so it's like but yet if I would go into that town that you said that I'm going to be next to she would have been forced to wear a muzzle it's just ridiculous and uh, so yeah I didn't I wasn't aware of anything but man you get you you immediately become aware of it when you're walking down the the street with a dog covered in scars with no ears the shape of an ottoman with legs (laughs) (laughs) I I have what
1: I have so many questions to ask you because I think that Americans really bully animals, whether it's from puppy mills to goldfish mills to people not adopting but spending tens of thousands of dollars on breed specific animals. Oh, I, I, I yeah. so I'll, I pick one of those because I don't know where to t- take you from <laughs> here, but it seems to me that. Guy, uh, let's start over here. Guy Seidel, who's on this podcast network, he's going to be working with you on your events in town, and he's one of the best comics in town, and one of the things he always is on Instagram is adopt a pet, don't buy a pet. What, why is that important?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's like a, I, I have a really, really serious problem with breeders because I feel like, you know, people have... have lived and died to protect our right to live in this first world country where we are given opportunities if we work hard, you know, and their choices to force animals, excuse my language, but to force animals to fuck so they can line their pockets. It's, It's disgusting and deplorable, especially when millions of dogs and cats are sitting in shelters and then being euthanized by the hundreds every single day and thrown into garbage bags. It's like, there is no excuse for anybody in this country in 2016 with the information that is out there knowing that millions of animals are needlessly dying because of human ignorance every single year to be forcing, to be strapping a dog into a rate stand and forcing another dog to mount it so that they can sell those five or six puppies for three or four, or five, six grand a pop. It's disgusting to me. It is it is the the animal version of of uh human trafficking
1: is it a form of sexual abuse like just on the whole
0: a hundred percent a hundred percent it is it is so so horrific, and they will artificially inseminate them they will put them on rape stands It's disgusting they in in the pit bull type dogs they they remove the female's piece so they can't uh protect themselves or fight back. They, you know, they they will grind their teeth down, so they have no their their teeth are they're to gum everything. They it, their bodies go through so much hell every time they have puppies. But you know, you you bet they'll be on Craigslist selling them for twenty or thirty bucks. It's like it's these are lives. These are living beings. These are it's it's so 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 disgusting. And anyone who's like. You know, in 2016, I'm going to go buy a dog. You've got to be kidding me. You know, it's...
1: For my lack of ignorance, does this...
0: it's It's just like, have you never seen an ASPCA commercial? You've never seen that? Okay, so let's say you don't have a TV. Let's just be fair. Let's say you live in America, and you don't have access to television. And you don't have access to a cell phone or access to a computer. What, what, then how are you learning to go, how are you learning about to go buy dogs? That's why, that, when people are like, well, I just didn't know, because I just didn't, I didn't know. It was, but, well, but you knew enough to, to seek out a breeder and buy one? So wait, how are you finding that out? You have to research how to find a breeder, or are you just getting them from a backyard breeder?
3: But what if it's your friend, nervous. what if your friend is saying, hey, I just bought a dog? I know where you can get one because someone is saying, "Hey, I just want a dog," and they innocently don't know.
0: Yeah, well, that's well, that and that's part of the problem too. And that is fair. And there, there are still some people who who don't know, who truly, truly don't know, who truly don't understand. Just like I didn't know, you know, nine years ago about what bulls were going through. It's absolutely feasible that some people don't, but the majority of people know the animal situation. They they really, really do. And for those that don't, you know, it's up to us to keep educating and keep doing what we can to change that and, and really encourage people to spay and neuter and, you know, to adopt and tell people about PetFinder.com and to support their local rescues and ASPCA and Humane Societies and, you know, do all they can to foster. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that is part of animal welfare. You have to keep educating. You can't assume everyone knows. That's fair. But the majority, I don't care what anyone says, they absolutely know that 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 dogs need uh, saving out of the shelter. And when breeders, you know, breeders go at me on social media all the time because I'm very outspoken about how much I think they're disgusting.
1: And what's their defense?
0: We we're we're, we're creating these dogs. We're doing it legal, and we have our permit. We it's like I don't care if you have a permit. That's 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 even a bigger issue. There should be no permits given to breed animals when 4 million are dying in the shelter every year, in shelters every year. What what are you talking about? doesn't make it right.
3: So how do you reach these people? Because there are older people who do not go on TV or do not watch TV or um, have social media or on the Internet that don't know these kinds of things. How do you reach those people?
0: That's a very, very good (laughs) question. I mean, there are certain groups that that, um, go into, um, like, certain communities that – Don't have access to these things that don't speak, you know, they don't, English isn't their first language and they don't really know and they don't know how, they don't have the resources as to where to get their dogs, their, you know, vaccines or get them fixed or anything. And there are certain groups that are dedicated to doing that. And, and that's really how you have to do it. You have to get your spay, you know, spay neuter mobile vans and get into communities and hang up posters and flyers in more than one language. And that's, it's, it's really grassroots efforts type stuff.
4: Um, I think that I think that's why you know this event stand up for pits is so important because it's not just a comedy show like we we have a a whole bunch of stuff planned. There's the uh, Pibble adoption, there's the donation drive, you got a silent auction, a kissing booth, and then a comedy show. Like overall, I mean, this it's it's I really I can't wait. I've never really seen something like this before. So I'm really excited that I get to come out and check this out. Uh,
3: what's the kissing booth? The, and the how do I get involved yeah. <laughs> in this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <And>
4: well,
0: <laughs> I know it says the kissing booth on the poster, but actually this year is the first year that we're not doing the kissing booth because uh, my dog, Angel, did the kissing booth all over the country for six uh-huh. years. and Like, people would... Line up for an hour before the shows to see her and meet her and and she would kiss every single person. It was actually really a really, really amazing part of everything. But as I said, she passed away in April, so we're not doing it this year um, but you know, if you want to get in there,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I'd love
3: to <laughs> I'm single, so line up the fellas. Hey.
0: <laughs> hey, whoever wants to get in there and start making out to to to, to raise funds for pitbulls, I'm totally behind it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, that so that event's going to be on the 18th at Club 50 West. So, Rebecca, I want to talk to you a little bit about stand-up comedy. So, how long have okay. you been a comedian?
0: Well, I moved to Chicago when I was like uh 18 and I uh um I uh started studying uh, improv at the Second City Training Center in Chicago, and then I um, I studied in, you know, the Annoyance Theater and Center Theater and other theaters in Chicago, just learning comedy writing and improvisation, and and uh, the first time I actually ever, like, dipped into stand-up comedy was when I became um, the audience warm-up for the Jenny Jones Show years and years ago. I did that for, like, a year and a half, and I would be, she would take forever to get her hair right. And
4: I, be out there. I used to watch that show all the time. I, I no had no way. clue. Yeah, yeah. No, I was a huge Jenny Jones fan. So you did warm up. So, how do you do warm up for a, a talk show audience?
0: It's hell on earth. I mean, <laughs>
4: you,
0: you basically go out there and you vamp. I mean, it was a, we did like two shows a day and, and, um, and uh, I would go out there and, like, have to vamp and, you know, keep the audience entertained. The good news is the audience was so excited to be there because the show taped in Chicago. And the audience loved Jenny Jones and loved the show. And so it was – that was good. But it was it was the first time I actually was like, oh, because she was, you know, a nightmare. She was, like, always complaining about hair and stuff. So she would be putting her makeup artists and hairdressers through hell while I would be out there for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, trying to vamp and uh, and they were like a union show and everything and they, they like were paying me like 50 bucks a day, something ridiculous I had no idea because I was new at all this
2: mm-hmm. and
0: the... but you learn real quick like oh okay so it's just me it's just them, better figure it out but warm up is nothing like stand up comedy but that was the first time I learned sort of you know just the being out there and the vamping and just like eating it and feeling uncomfortable and all that stuff and then um and then I just when I moved to LA in in uh, 99 or something like that I um I got signed with an agency and a manager and they were like you really need to do stand-up and uh and not just because I'm I just I'm sort of a storyteller not really a joke teller and so uh they were like you just got to do it and like just put five minutes together and we're gonna you know go audition for the Montreal Comedy Festival and back in that time it Really awesome festival to be a part of and oh yeah but, I went and, and i auditioned and i got in and then starting in 2000 from 2001 on i've been doing stand-up and you know i absolutely love it and it's evolved i mean i i look back at my at my stand-up like six years ago and i'm like who is that that is horrendous
2: yeah
3: <laughs> do you ever look yeah. at some of your stuff from the jenny jones show
0: Hell no. <laughs> the, the stuff, the stuff. I mean, what I did on the Jenny Jones show was not televised because it was warm-up stuff. But I did end up the last year I was there. I started doing sketches, and I, I'm sure you guys remember where there was like, maybe. I mean, if you watched it, then you know that they, we would start doing sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember those sketches where um, the little the little girl would run around in the angel outfit with the angel wings on? And yeah,
4: the little cutaway things that they would do.
0: Yeah, that was me. <laughs> really?
4: <laughs> wow! I, I had no clue when I researched you. I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even know that. Um, that that's so fascinating. Doesn't yeah, it say it on her I'm bio? Not
0: proud of it? Like, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you work on Jenny Jones, and you're, it's not really the highlight of your career.
4: <laughs> yeah that's true so you've recently uh you've recently done a spot on uh two broke girls what can you tell me about that
0: yeah i, I um i think like the week before last i just did a guest star on two broke girls really funny role i play a a, a lesbian um uh professional arm wrestler <laughs> and uh it's a pretty funny episode and i think it airs it may not. I don't think it's going to air by the time that I get there. I think it'll probably air after I leave, maybe in October. I think their season premieres the 10th of October. So, sometime in October, it's going to air. And then, uh, yeah, I just shot.
4: So, uh, so how how do you get something like that? Did did you audition for that, or do you get booked?
0: Yeah, you just go and audition and try to do your best.
3: So how do you find your niche on a show like that? Because you have a lot of funny people on the show, or comedians, or people that used to be comedians. So how do you kind of fit in there, or try to fit in, or do you just not? You just be yourself.
0: Well, are you talking about Two Broke Girls? Yes. Well, it's a character. You know, you just you get the audition, and then you just you know, it's it's just a you have to memorize your lines the best you can, and go in and audition, and hopefully, you you. You know, make an impact, and then you get the job. I mean, you're playing. You're not playing yourself. You're playing a character. Okay, so you're playing
3: a character on there. Okay, so yeah,
0: yeah, I'm playing a character. I'm, I'm actually not a lesbian professional. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's she, 2016. My bad.
4: She thought you were method acting.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually, I'm actually. I'm just not. I appreciate you thinking I could be, but. I'm, <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> do, do you um do you make any Separations between like acting and Comedy like do you consider like yourself an actress When you're like doing those things or do you Still like do you have to separate them or is it All kind of the same thing
0: there Um you mean uh, is there Is is it different to be an Actress like acting versus stand-up Comedy yes yeah there there's, There's really nothing Similar about either of them I mean I'm you know acting is you know, it's, it's your job to, you know, read read what the writer has written and interpret that in the best way that you can with your instincts. But, you know, you're really you're you're being directed. It's a group. It's very much a group. You know, you have a director telling you what you're supposed to do. There's limitations. You're you're playing one character, and that's your job, and, and to do that and do it well. And then with stand up, you know, you're you're the writer, producer, director, talent, you're all of it. And so if you're if you're going to tank, you know, then it's, it's your fault. And uh you know, you just have to they're they're completely different art forms.
4: You live and die by stand up where like acting you have like the built-in support of the director and the script and uh the dialogue. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're working with other actors, and you're, you know, like, it's an ensemble group effort, you know, there's so many parts to it that are a group effort, and with stand-up, you know, you're, you're the writer of it, you're the only one that's without a net, you know, so you just have to, you know, hopefully try to, I mean, look, I'm telling you, I've been doing stand-up for a really long time, and, you know, I'm sure that, ten years from now I'm gonna like hate what I'm doing now. And I think that that's part of stand up is that you're you you kinda grow, I think. I mean I think you're it never is easy. I don't think stand up is easy. I think it's really hard and I think it's you know, my kind of stand up is I lean more toward honesty and my point of view and my perspective, but who I am today is not going to be who I am going to be ten years from now. So I would imagine that my comedy will continue to change. I mean Ten years ago, I was relying on physicality and kicking and doing a lot of shtick like that, and that's not what I do now. I'm still... That's a part of me, but not all of it. So, I just love comedy because it's... Uh, I love stand-up comedy because it's just... Uh, it's all those things. It's hard, and then you have to be vulnerable and honest and all those things, and I think it's cool.
1: I think it's the hardest art form in entertainment.
0: I, I absolutely would agree with that, mm-hmm. I think. I... I think it's pretty... I mean, although I don't know how to... You know, I can't imagine singing a song. I'm the worst singer on the planet. Singing is probably hard, too. But, no, I think stand-up comedy is... Yeah, that's... I always cracks me up when people are like, you know, my friends said I'm funny. I'm just going to try stand-up. No.
1: So different. (laughs) Is the world of comedy getting better for women?
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I mean, I don't know. I know in my personal experience that with the credits that I have, you know, um, I get paid half of what guys, what what men get paid in most clubs. Um, And I can only imagine that it has to do with the fact that I pee sitting down because my abilities, in my opinion, are are no less.
1: And you can sell out a room, too, almost anywhere in the country. Like...
0: Well, I, I mean, if if the club gives a shit that I'm there and tells people enough, you know, in advance I'm coming, yeah, but it's like that's that's the other issue. There's been some venues that like won't even promote you know, they'll book me for a quarter of the price and not even promote the fact that I'm coming. Like what what are you doing? It's so is it getting better? I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't wanna say a blanket discriminatory statement and like say that it's the whole I would say that there are still 100% there are still some club owners who are absolute dicks who think that women are just, will not and are not, you know, as funny as men and they don't deserve what male comics deserve. It's disgusting, but what are you going to do? I think it's it's, it's a fact. It's a fact. And I, you know, I think it's true in a lot of different workplaces with, with regards to women. How do we change that?
2: Oh
0: God! You know, <laughs> I don't know. Just you, just you. You don't. Well, I, I refuse to go to two of the venues. So I don't know. I think it's up to the individual. I mean, eventually, I just said, you know, I did it for a while. As a comedian, as an artist, you need money. You got to live, and you know, running a nonprofit don't make you rich. No. You know, you've donated six years of my life to this cause. So. When someone says, hey, you want to do the job for a quarter of the price or $0, you say, you know, I love the art and I need some of the money. So you do it. But then eventually at some point you have to say, "When is enough enough? And I, there, are, there are venues where I just said, fuck off. I'm never coming back. I, no, no amount of money is, I would, you know, I'd rather give hand jobs behind Donut Time. Than, than, than <laughs> Me too. <laughs> then perform it you know, at Hyena's in texas for a quarter of the price and be treated like i don't know like you just have to say you know what 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 i i don't know if you can change it i i think it's i mean i guess uh, uh, things are changing a woman may become president right yeah. there's positives i mean there is change uh at some point women were not able to vote they are now uh there's a woman running for president that could happen i mean i don't know well, I don't know. I mean, and women—there are very successful female comedians, and you know—but yeah. I do think you're you're always going to deal with that as a woman in in lots of workplaces. And I think you just have to make the decision on your own to say, like, when is enough enough?
4: Awesome, Rebecca. So as we uh, wrap this up, uh, I just wanted to ask you one more question. Um, do you have any advice to any comedians out there, or anyone that wants to accomplish something like like like? Do you have any advice for people just starting out?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, understand that being a stand-up comedian is is more of a lifestyle than a career choice, and uh, be ready for that, you know, I, you can reach insane levels, and then you can never be where you ever want to be, you have to love it, and uh, I also think that if you're going to be a comedian, you should always try to try to be you and and do what you think is funny and be as authentic and vulnerable as you can be and and if you think it's funny then it should be funny don't try to be anyone else and those are hard things to do but that's that that,
4: that that's fantastic so like I was you can catch Rebecca September 16th and 17th at Club 50 West I'm going to be MC and Patrick Ramirez is coming in he's going to be in town also on Sunday we have stand up for pit bulls the event starts at 4:30 um, you can find all the information. Uh, Guy Seidel
1: and Orlovitz will be there. Yeah,
4: Aaron Orlovitz and Guy, Guy Seidel. You can find Rebecca uh, on Twitter at TheRebeccaCorey. It's C-O-R-R-Y. You can find out more information about Stand Up For Pits at StandUpForPits.us. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I cannot wait to work with you. I really, really appreciate you you stepping up for this. Thank you so much. Bye.